At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hey, warmer from below. Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for Ghost Guest Hoops with myself, Greg Eames Peters, and now part of the Beast of Family Podcast. We've got another conference preview for you guys today as we're diving in on the Summit League today, and we do reach a summit with our guests in segment number two, as Sean Pauly does tremendous work over at the Field of 68 in Mount Westwire. We're going to be taking a look at all these rosters with them. We've seen a few new coaches come into the fold as well. We're going to be breaking down all the ins and outs of that. We're going to be making some cases for and against some of these teams and taking a look at the lay of the land in the Summit League here in segment number one. I'm going to give you guys the betting trends and the styles of play that we've got out in this wonderful conference. And then in the final segment, I hit you guys with my projected order finish for the Summit League. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gnet underscore d1. Keep in mind, letter CM. Maybe does not matter, size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that is fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And since I did a conference preview yesterday with the SoCon, and I'm doing one today, that means that you're getting a recap of the weekend plus Monday's news and notes of college basketball on the podcast tomorrow. Do not worry, I'm not neglecting those, but doing a lot of conference previews right now because player movement is very slow. We're waiting for these teams to really get into just practice mode to where there's a little bit more that we're able to take a look at, sink our teeth into, so that's why we're doing a lot of conference previews right now, but always have fun taking a look forward, so how about if we do that right about now with the Summit League and dive in on a conference where... Defense, it is a pretty endangered species, as when you take a look at the Summit League, the one thing that you would not say is, oh, look at all these teams playing that tremendous defense and really holding up at the point of attack. You did have one school in Aurora Roberts that actually did a halfway decent job of being able to play a little bit of defense, and they are going to be a team in transition quite a bit this season, but for Aurora Roberts, they were 81st in the country in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. That was by far the best mark that you were able to find within the conference. As you just go down the list, South Dakota State, they're traditionally one of the better teams that you're going to find with regards to offense in this conference. They were actually 176th in the country. Turns points a lot on a per-possession basis. Doesn't sound like much, but when you're like 292nd in the country for North Dakota State, 
when it comes to a school like North Dakota clocking in 322nd in the country. If you take a look at the other South Dakota school, regular South Dakota, 340th in all of college basketball. Nebraska Omaha, or if you want to just call it Omaha, go ahead, 345th. Just no defense whatsoever being played within this conference. And, I mean, it's just not even a secret anymore. We all know that this is going to be a offensive-laden conference. And UMKC was trying to zag while everyone else zigged. They really did slow down their play quite a bit. And for UMKC, that got them a nice hearty 237th in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. And you're number one under Marvin Menzies. And you're going to notice that there are a few teams that they do play relatively slowly, like St. Thomas, the old Tommies. This bunch was 291st in the country with regards to total possessions per game. So they were going a little bit more off the beaten path, and they decided, you know what, we are going to be slowing things down just a little bit. And typically when it comes to South Dakota State, they're a team that they're looking to run it and gun it and just rip it down your throat. But they were a team in a lot of transition last year after they lost so many guys that were able to lead them to that 2022 NCAA tournament. As a result, you did see them be a little bit down there. Other school out there in the Dakotas, South Dakota, they were actually 275th in the country with regards to total possessions per game. South Dakota State down to 205th. Fully expect them to be playing a little bit more fast this time around. And North Dakota is always an intriguing school as well as they clocked in 211th. With regards to total possessions per game, you saw a lot of mid-tempo teams in this conference a season ago with UMKC, who I was mentioning a little bit before, being a little bit more of an outlier, 303rd with this regard. But this is very much a make-or-miss conference. You're going to be finding a lot of the teams that are towards the bottom of the country with regards to turnovers force on a per-possession and a per-offensive play basis being based out there in this conference. And as a matter of fact, you had 363 D1 teams last year, and guess who was 363rd with regards to turnovers force on a per-possession basis? You guessed it, North Dakota State. South Dakota, they were your next fewest, I guess you'd call it, team in terms of turnovers force on a per-possession basis. They were clocking in right in the neighborhood about 351st. You did see one or two others that were able to make it into that bottom 50, North Dakota. They were 325th in the country. With that regard, Nebraska, Omaha, 311th as well. This is not a conference in which you're going to be getting a lot of turnovers. You're going to get a lot of clean, open looks, and it always makes it interesting for taking a look at these totals and taking a look at how these teams fare with regards to an against-the-spread standpoint as the team that had the best against-the-spread numbers, that'd be St. Thomas, a school that two seasons ago, they were down at the D3 level. This is going to be year number three for them at the Division One level, and they've made the transition very well as they were very competitive last year. Unfortunately, could not go to the NCAA tournament, but 20-10-1 and one against the spread. Now, you are also going to note that with the Summit like there's a team that's out of the fold. Western Illinois, they were in the fold, and they were right around a 500 team last year. They certainly did not embarrass themselves out in the Summit like a season ago, though, as we know, these are straight-up numbers, by the way. This is not against the spread, but it was a runaway with Oral Roberts. They won 30 games last year. They do have to replace their coach with Paul Mills, but 18-0 and 0 within the conference, and then everyone else was just fighting for second place. South Dakota State, they were able to get second place 13-5 and 5 within the conference rate up, and then the other Dakota State, North Dakota State, they went 11-7. and 7. St. Thomas, Western Illinois, they went 9-9, and 9, and then you had a big fall from there. Denver, North Dakota, they were both at 6-12 and 12 within the conference. UMKC, South Dakota, 7-11, and, and Omaha bringing up the rear once again at 4-14. and 14. It's not necessarily been so great for our good friends in 
Old Omaha, though, they were able to do a little bit better against the spread last year. They went 17 and 14. This is just because a lot of people just love to fade Omaha, and they were just giving them a couple too many points when they were an underdog. South Dakota, they went 12 and 17 against the spread. Oral Roberts, by the way, even though they were a squad that they just completely ran this conference, they went just 13 and 17 against the spread because they were a big Mondo favorite, and when they were an underdog, you would notice that they got completely destroyed. As you take a look at this conference and how teams did in the role of an underdog, you did have North Dakota do a relatively solid job. They went 14-12 and 12 against the spread as an underdog in South Dakota State, 5-3-1 against the spread with this regard, but or Roberts. They went just 1-4 against the spread when they were an underdog. They were far better in the favorite role, and a lot of these schools were, as you saw Nebraska, Omaha, go 13-13 and 13 against the spread as an underdog. Denver was 7-10 against the spread as an underdog. South Dakota, 7-11 and 11 against the spread as an underdog. Meanwhile, you take a look at how these teams fared as a favorite, and it was very demonstrative. St. Thomas, 15-2 against the spread as a favorite. I'm not even kidding. For any team that found themselves as a favorite at least 10 times last year, that was the best mark in all of college basketball. Way to go, St. Thomas. Nebraska Oma. 4-1 against the spread as a favor. You had Denver go 6-5 against the spread as a favor with a push thrown in there as well. Really, the lone team that really struggled in this role was UMKC, 3-8 against the spread as a favorite. They played at the slowest tempo in the conference. Uh, that was an issue in South Dakota State. They went 9-12 against the spread as a favorite as well, but I think a big reason for that was that this team was completely rudderless towards the beginning part of the season. Meanwhile, the back half of the season, they were able to pick up a little bit of steam. That's a big reason why they went 10-10 and against the spread in conference games. Meanwhile, non-conference games for South Dakota State, very much less than savory for them, 4-6-1 and against the spread in terms of the non-con play for St. Thomas. They went 12-7-1 within the conference as well. So you didn't really have too many teams that had just a smoldering good year against the spread within the conference or really a bad year. The lone team that really got beat up upon against the spread within the conference, Denver. They went just 6-13 and against the spread within the conference. And interestingly, Oral Roberts, despite the fact that they won every one of their conference games, 8-12-1 against the spread when they did play against some of the league foes. So I did think that that was very intriguing to take a look at it. As I was mentioning before, not a lot of defense being played in the Summit League. You did have a few under teams, though. North Dakota State, this was because they tried to play super-duper fast at the beginning part of the season, and then they realized, yep, this is not for us. What in the heck are we doing? They went 11 overs, 18 unders, and two pushes. South Dakota State, they just didn't have the shooting that they had in previous years. They and Oral Roberts, 13 overs to 18 unders. Both of these teams played a little bit different than what we saw in past years. And then from there, everyone else pretty good over teams. Say in South Dakota, they had 14 overs and 15 unders. Denver was really a creme de la creme over team. 20 overs, 9 unders, and a push. And then North Dakota, 21 overs and 10 unders. I can't necessarily say this was due to tremendous offense. I credit it more to the fact that these teams could not really play a lot of defense as both of these teams were in the top 15 in the country with regards to overrating all of college basketball. And I thought it was interesting taking a look at things with regards to conference play versus non-conference play because it felt like when it came to conference play, that's when you did see more of these teams start to really find out who they were as out of the teams that we saw within the conference last season, four of them had a little bit of a better mark to the over. Western Illinois is not out the fold. They had a little bit of a better mark to the under, but really nothing overly demonstrative. You did have North Dakota State play a lot of unders. 
13 unders, 6 overs, and 2 pushes. Once again, a lot of that is because they had a little bit of change in style. But Oral Roberts as well, 13 unders to 8 overs. But North Dakota, Nebraska, Omaha, both played north of 68% of their conference games to the over as well. And what I always think is intriguing about the Summit League as well, something that I've yet to hit upon, is taking a look at the cover rate in terms of home games versus road games. Because the Summit League, it is a pretty spread out conference. It was spanning all the way to Illinois last season, but you've got represented the state of Minnesota, you've got both of the Dakotas, you've got Colorado, the state of Missouri, so you do have a lot of travel, and as a result, we did see quite a few of these teams do very well against the spread at home, including St. Thomas, just a complete bulldozer. It's a far trip for a lot of these teams. 11-1 and against the spread at home. Guess who was your worst cover team at home last year? Old Marvin Menzies in UMKC. 4-8 against the spread when they were at home. And Denver, they had a little bit of a tough time as well. 5-7 against the spread at home. Typically with UMKC, by the way, they would find themselves as a little bit more of a favorite at home. So that explains why they had such a tough time. And going to the Dakotas, still always very difficult. North Dakota 9-5 against the spread at home. South Dakota 7-5 against the spread at home. South Dakota State 6-5 against the spread at home. And then North Dakota State rounded it out at 5-6 and six against the spread at home. So a very interesting conference, a very fun conference, and one that is going to be broken down in a little bit more depth with regards to these rosters next. As we've got Sean Paul does great work over at the Field of 68 doing their mid-major show along with Mountain West Wire. He joins me next to break down the Summit Lake and the rosters right here on Coast Coast Hoops with myself, Dave Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast, the Summit Lake Conference for you at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. 
Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. This is a Summit League Conference Preview Edition, and it is great to have this fan aboard. He is a man that, much like myself, loves this conference, and Sean Paul, he does a tremendous job. Take a look at the game of college basketball over at the Field of 68. He is the host of their mid-major show. On top of that, he is a tremendous writer over there at Mount West Wire as well. He, much like myself, based out here in the lovely state of Nevada, and you're able to find him on X. I actually got it correct this time. <laughs> at Sean Paul CBB, and always remember, Sean spelled S-E-A-N on this one, and mm-hmm. Sean, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yeah, glad to join you again, Greg. Appreciate you having me on. Appreciate you joining me, and Sean, I always love doing this conference because it really feels like the teams that we expect to be at the top, they typically are at the top, but with that said, we've seen a little bit of turnover with Oral Roberts. Paul Mills, the tremendous coach for them. He has moved on, so that is going to be a little bit of an issue for this team. On top of that, Max Aismas, who we all know this guy was absolutely tremendous eight seasons ago. He is out on the fold as well, but they do bring back some of those more ancillary pieces from a season ago. As we know, they still have a reputation for being able to shoot the three ball, and they did a good job of still trying to keep that fulcrum with the coaching staff that they had after Paul Mills. How do you evaluate this Oral Roberts team, but which I do think that they're going to look a little bit different with Russell Springman now at the helm. I mean, they kept it in-house with the hire, right? That's what you had to do. That's what a lot of mid-major teams that have had success with a previous coach have done. They kept that same culture that led them to winning. Loyola Chicago, they did that with Drew Valentine, and Oral Roberts does it here with Russ Springman replacing Paul Mills. And he was able to keep a couple guys around, like Kareem Thompson. That's a big guy to keep. He's a defender that can shoot the basketball. Those are always coveted. And then you got Isaac McBride back, who I think is the biggest piece here. He's a guy that averaged 12 points a game last year. He played 37 minutes in the game against Duke, in which they lost in the tournament. But he shot 44% from deep two years ago, 40% from deep last year. And that was as a number two guard option. He's going to be an absolute stud this season. Wouldn't surprise me if we saw him averaging like 16, 17 points a game because he can really stroke it. They're going to need some big numbers from guys like Braden Moore. And I expect their defense to probably take a bit of a step back because they lost a few really good defensive big men like Connor Vanover protecting the rim. Patrick Mwambo is pretty versatile. He's gone. So you're losing a few of those pieces that made you an improved defense, but you have some scoring pieces still in the fold. Yep, and you're bringing a couple lottery guys as well, and Jalen Miller along with Ashton Smith. I call them lottery guys because you don't know what to expect there, but they were former top 200 recruits according to 247 Sports, so that should be able to give them a little bit of upside as well. And as we know, South Dakota State, they are always a team that typically is at the top of the fold. I believe that they had gotten a share of the title each of the previous five or six years prior to last year. They had a rough start to the season before really being able to pick it up towards back half of the season. But I do take a look at this team, and they might have arguably the best player in the conference in Zeke Mayo. Just a complete statue stuff for 18 points, six boards, three and a half assists, a little bit of a steal per contest. I mean, this is a guy that's able to do a little bit of everything. But I take a look at the guys like Matthew Moores along with Matthew Mims. If they're able to step up, 
I really do think that South Dakota State, especially with Oral Roberts, dealing with a little bit of transition, they could be able to rise up and be that number one team once again. Even in South Dakota State's down season last year, they were still pretty good. They finished second in the conference regular season behind Oral Roberts, who didn't lose a single game. So, of course, you're not going to finish first. But they do return Zeke Mayo, who's going to be the clear conference preseason player of the year. I don't even think it's a debate. 18 a game, six boards. He can really shoot it from outside. He's just an absolute dominant guard, and he's going to be fantastic this year. But I think possibly the biggest under-the-radar piece is William Kyle III, who started from day one for them as a freshman that went against Boise State. That was an impressive win. He played a bigger role. He can rebound. He loves to score on the block. He's a good cutter, solid rim protector. He has a few areas to improve. I think he needs to work better out of double teams because he turned the ball over a couple times in that area. And then I think also he needs to show a little bit more of an ability to score with his left hand. It seemed like opponents were really just sitting on his right hand, and that became a problem for him at times, especially against Oral Roberts. So I think if William Kyle the third becomes a really big piece, I think South Dakota State could run away at this conference. Yep, I'm right there with you. If those ancillary pieces are able to step up around Mayo, who we know is going to be absolutely tremendous, I think that it could be a massive year once again for South Dakota State. As joining me on the show, we've got John Paul. He does terrific work over at the Field of 68, and we're doing the Summit League Conference Preview Edition, and then this team just always fascinates me because you know that they're going to be able to give you a good effort, unfortunately for St. Thomas, because the NCAA has such stupid rules with schools mm-hmm. that go up from the D2 slash D3 level up to the D1 level. They once again can't make the NCAA tournament, but for St. Thomas, they were very feisty last year. Now, they are going to be missing some of their big pieces from a season ago, but Parker Jorklin was able to give the team 15 points, five and a half rebounds. He is going to be back to fold. I think that that is going to be nice. Ben, now, hopefully I said that correctly, he's a 40% three-point shooter as well. It remains to be seen if they're going to get Courtney Brown back or not. He was a transfer from UW-Milwaukee, just has not been able to get out there on the floor last few seasons. But for St. Thomas, even though they do lose a few guys that were big for them last year, Andrew Rowe, he is going to be now at Virginia. I still do feel like they've got a nice fulcrum, man. Just the style in general that this team plays, I think it's hard to prepare for. Definitely. I mean, they're a good offensive team. That's really what they've hung their hat on the last couple of years, and it's going to be a different transition for them going without Riley Miller, who was in the transition from the D2 level with them. They lost Anders Nelson the previous season, a guy who also came from the D2 level with them, and Andrew Rode, who looked like the future of that program, transfers to Virginia. The transfer portal stings them a little bit, but they need to get big performances from a Johnny Lee, another fresh in that classic road, and Kendall Blue if they're going to have a good season because those were two pretty highly touted freshmen. If they're going to be able to bounce back and have a solid season, they're going to need those two to really step up. Yep, I think that they are going to need those two to step up, but you know that this is going to be a bunch that is going to be able to give you a relatively solid effort night in and night out. As joining me on the show, we do have Sean Paul, who does a tremendous job taking a look at this fine conference, and I'm very intrigued by this bunch. The Denver Pioneers have been looking to build themselves up for quite some time, and the defense is going to need to improve a little bit for this team, but they've obviously got some guys they were able to pop it from three-point range. Tuku Te Nemo, he was able to give you about 10.5 points, six boards, shot above 41% from three-point range. Marco Lukic, he comes in after he was at Little Rock the last few seasons, so that's big. Jackson Breachley, I think it's someone that is very intriguing coming in from Utah as well. And for the Pioneers, 
it finally feels like they're building some upward momentum. And as long as Tommy Berner is back to the fold like I think he is, this is a bunch of, you know that they're going to be a scary team to face on offense. Yeah, indeed. You get Tommy Bruner back. He was fantastic for them last season. And then you also add in Isaiah Adu Ankara, a transfer who was able to shoot the ball from outside at six foot seven, can play the three, can play the four. He's not going to be a huge player, but the way he's able to shoot the ball should be a welcomed addition. But they did take some pretty severe losses. Lucas Tassunas, he's gone. They lost Tyree Corbett. Those were their starting front court players right there. And then he lost Justin Mullins. That's three starters out of the fold for this Denver team. That already wasn't that good. And then you lose Tevin Smith also, who was really solid as a scorer. So you lose four really important players. And Mullins transferred to Northwestern. He was potentially going to be the future of this program. And then you lose those other pieces. They were a really okay rebounding team for Summit League standards. And that's going to take a huge step back unless the transfer they got from Grand Canyon and Isaiah Carr is going to be anything big. I'm not sure what to expect from him, but unless he's something big, I don't think Denver's going to be super reliable in the front court and in the rebounding department. Yeah, I do think that they're going to have a tough time down low. The offense, the three-point shooting, it is there for Denver, but I'm right there with you in the post. They do have some question marks, and obviously when it comes to quite a few of these schools within this conference, there is going to be some issues and some question marks down low and one of those teams that'd be North Dakota and for North Dakota they do return quite a few of their top scores from last season including their top rebounder and oh I always say this name wrong so don't say <laughs> Sarsai's day hopefully I said that correctly I'm sure that it was way wrong but that said the gentleman that comes in from the country of Georgia who had 11 points five and a half not rebounds, the state of Georgia not the state of Georgia country of Georgia shot about 35 percent from three as a six foot nine little bit of a combo player, like what I saw to B.J. Omot. Now, it is going to be a little bit tough of missing a few of those ancillary pieces from a season ago, but they do return a lot of their main scores with Jalon Trent really being the main guy that's out of the fold. I do think that this team could take a little bit of a step forward, obviously not one to be challenging the likes of South Dakota State and company. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and try to pronounce this name, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, right? <laughs> we, take, we take risks here, Greg. Sante Sarsidze. I think that's wrong, but it's something along... We I don't gave it a the, try. I don't think the Z is silent. Like, I've heard it on broadcast like a thousand times, and I don't think... like. You could say it to me slowly, and I still don't think I could repeat it correctly. Just one of those names. But he's a really good player from the country of Georgia, like you said. But BJ Omot, he is a really good player. Six foot eight, super athletic. He needs to improve his jump shot a little bit, but he showed the ability to make one. He's just an athletic wing, and you don't typically get guys with his athleticism in this league. I thought if he transferred, he would have gotten some interest from high caliber schools. I'm not saying he would have went to Kansas, but he's from Minnesota. Minnesota probably could have used him. He's got a ways to go. He's still raw, but he could be a really good player once he refines his skills a little bit. Yep, I think so as well. And with North Dakota, once again, they're not going to be a team that's going to be fighting for like the top three in the conference or anything like that. But I do think that there's quite a bit of upside there. And let's take a look at the other Dakota school in the state of North Dakota. North Dakota State, as we know, they lose Grant Nelson, he was absolutely tremendous. He is going to be playing in the SEC this year. But love what Bowden Skunberg was able to do for this team. He was averaging 19.9 points, nearly seven boards on about 48.5% three-point shooting in the final eight games of the season. Andrew Morgan still has some size for the team down low. The likes of a Jakari White are going to be returning as well. I took a look at North Dakota State. They always struggle out of conference, and I do think that it's very interesting mm-hmm. as this is a coaching staff that they pretty much treat the out-of-conference like sort of exhibition games, and they get ramped up 
for some of like playing. I could see a little bit of that once again. North Dakota State trying to find their way without Grant Nelson, then they find it a little bit more in conference play. And they also play a really difficult non-conference, so I think that needs to be added in this conversation. They really prepare themselves for conference play. And they ended up in the conference tournament title game last year. They didn't win that game because nobody could beat Oral Roberts in that league last year. But they got there. And here's what I'll say about, about Grant Nelson. He's a really good player. He's fun to watch. He's not a great shooter. He's a solid rim protector. I don't necessarily love him defending in space. But the Summit League doesn't care about defense. But if you were to tell me, in terms of what they bring to a college program, if I could choose one of Bowdoin Skunberg, or Grant Nelson to return to North Dakota State, I would have chosen Bowden Skunberg, to be honest with you. He's a guard that can really score the basketball. And I think in this league, that is more valuable than what Grant Nelson brought to the table. You need shooting. You need a guy that is able to handle the ball. He's not a point guard, but he's able to score the ball. He's able to create for himself. He's not much of a creator for others, but he's going to hit a mid-range shot. He doesn't have a ton of speed, so he can't get by a ton of dudes, but he's able to get to the mid-range and hit a, hit a pull-up jumper. He's a really good shooter. He just brings a lot of offensive skills to the table, and he can really rebound for the guard position. You bring Jakari White back, like you said, to Javis Miller. He was really impressive as a freshman guard. Andrew Morgan, he was impressive in his sophomore season. There's a lot of pieces here. I like this North Dakota State team. They're going to get better this year. It wouldn't surprise me if they're still one of the best teams in the conference they're probably number two for me right behind south dakota state there's a pretty decent gap there but they're going to be effective on the defensive end for summit league standards and they have a lot of scoring options on the offensive end they could play inside and out i like this team quite a bit yep they're always a make it and take it team as well as i always remember them being one of the uh, lowest teams in the country in terms of turnovers force i believe they were actually 363rd out of 363 teams with regards to turnovers force on a per possession basis last year but Having someone down low like a Morgan, I think that that's very big in a conference like this. As joining me on the show, we do have Sean Paul. He does great work over at the field of 68, and we're taking a look at the Summit League. And how about if we take a look at Omaha, a team that, once again, not looking to play a lot of defense, but I do feel like this new-look coaching staff starting to get a little bit of something built as they've got Markel Sutton, who's been able to give the team five boards. He was able to add in there 10.5 points per game. J.J. White did a good job of doling out the ball like Luke Jungers was able to shoot some threes. It's a team that it feels like it's still a few misfit parts, but bringing in Nick Davis from Division II South Nazarene I think is going to be a big piece. I do think that this team still has to find its identity a little bit more. It still feels like they're a little bit rudderless, but it certainly looks a whole heck of a lot better than it did a few seasons ago when they were just absolutely, truly terrible. I wouldn't say they were that much better than terrible last year. They won nine games, 318th in Ken Palm. This wasn't a good team, right? Frankie Fiddler Fiddler should be solid. I mean, this is a team where there's just so many unknowns. Like, I just can't really tell you what to expect from a lot of these guys because, like you said, you bring in some guys from the D2 level. You bring in a J.J. White, a Biko Johnson. You have these kind of guys that are coming from – uh, juco levels and it just it's you never know what that transition is going to look like from d2 or juco it's different for every guy some guys it's easy some guys it's not i think that's a really solid way to build your program if you're omaha but you also have to mix in some d1 transfers which they didn't get and then it's some trans some good freshmen so they really have to find the way to build their program it's going to be trial by error we'll see what happens if this is the route to go if not they need to go hit the D1 portal because there's a lot of guys out there, not at this point, but earlier in the offseason, they definitely could have added some guys that could have contributed to this team. Yep, I agree with you there, and I do think that they do need to mix it up a little bit more and adding a bit more in the post 
would have been big for them as well. And for South Dakota, this has not been a team that has necessarily been too tremendous in the post. And the guys that they did have in the post, well, they are all gone. As Paul Bruns is pretty much a low man standing from last season for South Dakota. As you've got Cruz, Peru, Hunt, who's going to be out of the fold. A.J. Plyswit, he decided to go pro during the offseason. So he's no longer with the team. It's up to Bruns, who I still remember. He was one of the top scorers over at North Dakota a few seasons ago. And Really not a whole lot of plot else. They bring in Caleb Sewer from Louisiana Tech, which I think is interesting. Boston Holt, he played a little bit of time at Utah. I believe that Lahat Fione, who is over at Central Florida, I think he spent a little bit of time in the Pac-12 as well. So South mm-hmm. Dakota, they did bring in a nice little haul via the transfer portal, but they have absolutely nothing returning from last year. And I've got my question marks as to how this is going to mesh together. I think there was clearly issues with this team last year defensively, and it just they took bad shots. They didn't seem like they were together. They weren't cohesive, and that was noticeable watching them. They had a lot of talent. Mason Archambault, uh, Cruz Perro-Hunt, A.J. Plitzwhite, Paul Bruns, Tazos Kamateros. You see that on paper, and you're like, that's a team that's going to score the basketball. But they just didn't play play well together, and you need to be able to do that. It doesn't matter how much talent you have if you can't run an offense. They had a lot of guys that wanted to play one-on-one and weren't able to run an efficient set and get a, get a basket out of it. So what – Coach Peterson had to do was go add some guys that can play within his system. He brings in Caleb Stewart, who's a solid playmaker. That's what you should bring to the to the Summit League here. And then you get two transfers that are going to be able to play defense with Boston Holt, who was part of that Coffeyville JUCO team that won the national title with Tyler Perry, who's now at Kansas State. He was a really important piece of that team. He's athletic. He can play a small ball full role. He can shoot the ball a little bit, but he's more of a rebounder. He can average close to double-digit rebounds for that Coffeeville team at like six foot seven. Then Lahat Chun, he was there at Utah. He was there at UCF. He has a different kind of size and athleticism than you would typically see in the Summit League. So I think that'll be a different look for a lot of these teams, seeing a guy like him out there. They're not going to be as potent offensively as they were on paper last year, but I think they could work together better, and they're certainly going to be a lot better defensively. Yep, I do think that they are going to be better defensively as well. And it was clear that it just was not a great blend last year. We shall see if it was the players or if it was a little bit more of the coaching staff this year. As I could hey, see, a- one more thing to note: when you start as a new coach and with the program, and you have a lot of holdovers, you have to get buy-in from those guys. That's such an important piece of this. So when you see a bunch of those guys depart, I think that's telling. I don't think that's all a coaching thing. Sometimes it is. But I think Eric Peterson was a good hire, all things considered. I mean, Todd Lee had a really solid run there at South Dakota. Bringing Eric Peterson is familiar with the program. But I think when you see all those guys depart, I think that tells you more about the players leaving than it, than anything else. Yeah, Ben, a lot of those guys, they were just on their final year of eligibility as well. So that was a that, little bit of a... That's true, but still, like, Paro Hunt, he could have come back. Plitzewhite, he could have come back, but they just went pro instead. Yep, they decided to, and can't blame guys for being able to get their money as well, but we shall see how this iteration of South Dakota is going to go, and we've got one last team to take a look at, and it's old Marvin Menzies over there at Kansas City, which I still remember the Marvin Menzies era. You know, he was not necessarily so great, and he had two very dynamic guards last year, Raquanis Mitchell and Shamari Allen, and he knows to replace both of them. A clean bit of health for Anderson Kopp, I think, is going to be big for the team. He's able to shoot it from three, and like what they were able to get down low, 
of Jeff Ngandu along with David and Becca Jr. And I just take a look at this UMKC team, and I really feel like this is a team that they need to play through the post, and they sort of need to try to zag while everyone else zigs in the summit league. We've been noticing, we've been noting on this podcast how everyone loves to just be able to go up and down. They love to just take a bunch of threes and just score at will. I think that UMKC, they need to take a little bit of an opposite approach with this roster. I just don't see how this team wins games to, in the Summit League, to be honest with you. And I know that sounds mean, but they were 314th in Ken Palm last year. They lost their two best players, and they didn't really add anything huge. Like Christian Corsal, he's been around Nevada, Houston Christian, Chattanooga. He's been solid at times, but if he's your number one option, I don't think you can win a lot of games. I mean, Anderson Kopp can shoot it. We know that, but he's not a guy that's going to create shots. And who else on this team are you relying on to score the basketball? They were already one of the worst three-point shooting. How many D1 teams were there last year? Was there more than 362? 363. Ah, so they were the second worst three-point shooting team in the country. And they didn't get better in that aspect at all, besides getting Anderson Kopp healthy. And Corsault's like a career 33% shooter from deep. R.T. Stapleton, he transferred from Radford, then went back to the D2 level, then he went back to UMKC. He should be fine. He was okay at Radford. But I just don't know how this team wins 11, 11 games again. I really don't. I think this is like a 5-6 win team. Yep, and with UMKC, like I was mentioning, they've got some nice low-post player. And Becca Jr., along with Ngandu, these are guys that are able to rebound. They're able to give you a few blocks, but they need to try to zag while everyone else zigs, in my opinion. And when you have those teams, it either works out really, really well or it works out disastrously. There's really not a lot of in-between. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. You're, you're a lot more optimistic and nice than I am. I just don't see it. Like You have to have a certain amount of talent level on the perimeter to, perimeter to be able to win games, especially in the Summit League. And I just don't think UMKC has that. They don't. Like They needed to go even go to the D2 level. Besides R.T. Stapleton, he should be a solid player. But go at a couple guys who are great scorers at the D2 level. They just didn't really do anything. Unless they're super high on their freshmen or young guys that haven't played a lot, maybe I'm missing that, which could be the case because mid-major freshmen are hard to get any info on in high school because a lot of them are pretty underrated. So I just don't see where this team goes if the current pieces as constructed play the way I expect them to. Yep, and I think they are banking on a lot for Anderson Kopp coming back in the fold as well after. I mean, he had a nice run in the few games that he played last year and the season before, but that's expecting a lot out of him as well. And the expectations are always high when you join this podcast, Sean, and somehow, way, you always deliver, and then some. You do great work over at the Field of 68, Mountain West Wire, and so much more. And I know you're getting set for the upcoming season. So love the good people at home. No, it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can always follow me on Twitter at SeanPaulCBB. That's where you'll see all my UMKC-related talk. So go ahead and follow there. Absolutely. And it is some high-quality chatters. Sean, just all 12 months out of the year, he is talking about the Summit League. One of the few people hey, I'll talk, you, Yeah, I'll talk about UMKC. Like, if they're better than I expect them to be, I will call myself out. That's what I do. He is a fair and balanced man. I can say that for Sean. He's got his good calls, and sometimes when there's a little bit of a miss, he will call himself out. A man of integrity, very, very rare on social media these days, <laughs> whether they're calling it Twitter, whether they're calling it X. Who knows? But what we do know is that Sean knows his college basketball, and every single time he joins his podcast, lends amazing insights. Big thanks to Sean for joining me right here on Coast Coast Seeps, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time to podcast. Uh, I give you my projector finish for the Summit League. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Las Vegas because Casinos with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now part of the VSIM family of podcasts. It was great to be able to get Sean Paul aboard. He does amazing work taking a look at the great game of college basketball over at the field of 68 along with Mountain West Wire. I do think that we are in for a very fun year with regards to the Summit Lake. I know that he, much like myself, absolutely loves this conference and it was a tremendous pleasure to be able to get him aboard as he lent some great insight on these schools. So big thanks to Sean for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you my projector or finish for the Summit League once again because I have done conference previews each out of the last two days. The weekend news and notes of college basketball along with Mondays. Those are going to be done on the podcast tomorrow. So we have got you guys all covered there and we've got you guys covered with regards to my projector or finish as in dead last, 
I am going to be going with Oma. With Oma, I do recognize that they are going to be bringing back quite a few of their guys from last season, but once again, team ranked 362nd in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis at home last season. Frankly, Fiddler was able to lead the way. 14.5 points, 6 boards, right around 2.5 assists per contest, and J.J. White was able to dole out the ball as well, but I've got massive question marks with this team. I did feel like they needed to bring in some more D1 transfers. They bring in Nick Davis, who had D2 South Nazarene, was able to put up right around 12 points. Should be able to fortify things a little bit more down low with 1.3 blocks per contest, but this team struggled on the glass. This team struggled along the perimeter. You've got quite a few of your top scorers returning from last year, but I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing with just the way that Oma is structured. It's a young coaching staff that's looking to be able to build themselves up. I think that's going to be another rough year for Oma. So as a result, I do have them at number nine with regards to my projector or finish. At number eight, I am going to be going with South Dakota. With South Dakota, rough state of affairs here with them losing five other top six scorers from last year. Really all the rebounding that the team had from last season as well. The likes of AJ Pleasewood, Tazos Camateros, Damari Hayes, all these guys being out the fold. That's rough. And you're looking to build things around Paul Bruns. Bruns was able to have nine points, three and a half boards, shot about 34.5% from three-point range last season. And two years ago, while he was at North Dakota, was a double-figure scorer. You have Max Burchill be able to give you right around five points. He was a solid three-point shooter, but not a lot of defense of note for the team. And this is a team that has been 245th or worse and points a lot on a per-possession basis in each of their last five years now. I felt like they actually got a really good transfer all. Caleb Stewart is a guy that comes in from Louisiana Tech. He was able to put in there right around five points per contest. Boston Old, along with Lahat Fione. Hopefully I said that correctly. Both of these gentlemen began their career. Utah and Fione. He's 6'10". He should be able to fortify things a little bit more down low. These are guys that have high upsides, but with South Dakota, not really sure how the pieces are going to be melding together. I do have my question marks here. and Those question marks... Lead me to landing them at number eight with regards to my projector or finish. At number seven, I'm going to be going North Dakota. North Dakota is bringing back their top five scorers from last year. Now, not one of those guys was Jalon Trent. Jalon Trent wasn't necessarily a scorer, but he was a guy that would give you like six points, a few boards, like three assists. He was that ultimate Swiss Army knife guy. So I do think that that is going to be a little bit more of a loss than what people are leading on. But with North Dakota... You know what? You do have a little bit of a nucleus and a base to build around. So stay Sarcistay, who nobody can pronounce his name. He was able to give the team about 11 points, five and a half boards per contest. He was able to do a solid job being able to make some threes as a six foot nine, little bit of a combo player. I know that our good friend and Sean was talking up BJ Omot. He led the team in scoring last year with 12 points per contest. Well, Matt Norman, he's someone that's able to shoot right around 42.5% from three. You're bringing Eli King, 247 Sports, rated him as the number 203 prospect for the class of 2022. As I would say last year, couldn't really get out there on the floor. The team took right around 45.7% of their road field goal attempts from three, by the way. Top 20 mark with regards to three-point shooting rate, just a percentage of their shots that they took from three on the road. Now, they were 348th in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis last season, so they need to rectify that just a little bit, but I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that with this North Dakota team, 
there is quite a bit of upside. It's a little bit of a welcome back scenario as well. Tyree Iannaccio, he had transferred over to James Madison. He's going to need to get a waiver to play, but when he was last at North Dakota, he was a nice double-figure scorer for this team. Didn't really work out at James Madison. If they're able to get him eligible, you're looking at some upside. With North Dakota, I'm a little bit more skeptical as to whether or not he's going to be out there on the floor, but I do think that North Dakota is going to be improved, so I do have them number seven in terms of my projector finish. And number six, myself and Sean were going back and forth on this one. I do think that UMKC has a pathway to a few victories here with Ellen, David, and Becca, along with Jeff Ungandu. These guys are very solid down low. Ungandu, 5.4 points, 5.9 rebounds, and a block and a half per contest last season. You've got Promise Iduaro, who's able to give you right around four boards per contest as well. And then Becca Jr., right around nine and a half points, seven and a half boards, a steal, a block per contest. Now, you have to replace Requandis Mitchell along with Shamari Allen. These were your two top flight scorers from last year, but I really do like the fact that they bring in R.T. Stapleton. Tore it up at Lincoln, Missouri last year, 17 and a half points, five boards, three and a half assists, steal and a half per contest, shot 37% for three for old Lincoln, Missouri last season. Two years ago, he was at Radford. He was honestly a solid player when he was at Radford, Christian Coruscant. He's someone that in the SOCON, which I think is a little bit of a higher level of competition, he was able to log about 9.5 points per contest two seasons ago at Houston Christian last year. Six points per contest at Chattanooga. He should be a plug-and-play guy, and I'm begging on Anderson Cobb, who was limited to four games last season, being able to have a nice upside. He had shot 42.5% from three-point range two seasons ago at UMKC. Obviously, with UMKC, they've got Marvin Menzies as their coach, and that's a little bit of an anchor on this team, or else I would have probably have them a little bit higher. But with UMKC, I think that they're going to be looking down low a little bit more, and I think that they're going to have success against the Western Dakota school. So I do have UMKC, number six in my projector or finish. And number five, I'm going to be going with St. Thomas. You lose Andrew Road, which is relatively big. Riley Miller being out of the full, that hurts. But I like the fact that Parker Jorklin, along with Brooks Allen, are back in the fold. Allen, he's just a sad sheet suffer. Nine points, four and a half boards, 2.3 assists, 1.2 steals per contest last year. Ben Now, spelled N-A-U, hopefully I got that correctly, was nearly a 40% three-point shooter last season. Kendall Blue was able to give you right around seven and a half points per contest. This was a team that was in the top 10 in terms of lowest percentage of possessions that ended in a turnover each of the last two years, by the way. This team does not beat themselves. With Jorklin, he comes in after averaging 15 points, five and a half boards per contest. It looks like they should have Courtney Brown out there on the floor as well. That's right now something that there's a little bit of speculation on. He came in from UW-Milwaukee. Has not been able to play a lot of minutes, but I remember while I was at UW-Milwaukee, was a pretty rock-solid guy, but they should have A.J. Lee. Was able to have five points, 4.3 boards. He's got a little bit of ability to be able to clog things up down low. So I do think that with St. Thomas, this style that has been formed by what I think is really a underrated coaching staff, I do think that there's a little bit of upside here. As a result, I did put them number five in my projector or finish, and because they're ineligible for the NCAA tournament, every regular season game means just that much more for them. At number four, we're going to be going with Denver. Denver brings back Tommy Bruner, a guy that's able to completely light it up for this team. He was able to register 15-plus points per contest last season for a Denver team that they've got the offense. Now, this is a team that had the second lowest percentage of their 
points come from made three-point shots last year. They really looked down low, but that's a big reason why they did have such a good three-point shooting percentage, because when they did take them, they were pretty wide open. As Bruner, he was able to give the team 16 points, four assists, 1.2 steals per contest. Now, it's 3.6 turnovers per game, or that's most out of any D1 player last season. Actually, number nine, so that's an issue, but Tuco Timnemo, he was able to give you 10.5 points, right around 6.3 boards, shot 42% from three. Corbin Porter, that is a part of that Porter family with likes of, oh, I don't know, a guy that plays for the Denver Nuggets. He's back after he missed the 2022-23 season. Two seasons ago, averaged 11.5 points, shot 41% from three. Marco Lucic, he comes in from Little Rock. At Little Rock, he was a double-figure scorer. You've got Jackson Brenchley. He began his career at Utah. That should be a lot of out if they're able to get him back to his 2019-24 when he had four points, shot about 36.5% from three. That's nice. And then Isaiah Carr is a little bit of a gamble, seven-footer that really didn't play for Grand Canyon. But if Denver can play a modicum of defense, they've got the offense to really be able to disrupt the apple cart a little bit in this conference. I have got Denver, number four, in terms of my projector or finish. Number three, we're going to be going North Dakota State. The Bison have always had a little bit of a philosophy to where they're going to challenge themselves out of conference. They're going to take their losses, and it's going to build them up for being in the conference. And they're going to have to look to try to mix and match without Grant Nelson, who I knew was major in every statistical category. 18 points, 9.5 boards, 2 assists, 1.7 blocks. At 6 or 10, he could handle the ball. That's an issue. But Bowden Skungberg, he was tremendous last year. Final eight games of the season. 19.9 points, 6.9 boards, a shot 48.7% from three. Overall for the season, 15 points, 5.3 boards, shot about 39.5% from three. Andrew Morgan should be able to fill the void down low. 10.5 points, 5.3 boards per contest. Tate Jarvis, Miller, along Chikari White. They split starts last season. They combined to shoot about 36% from three, 15.5 points per contest. Damari Wheeler is able to give you right around nine points per contest in the final 17 games of the season as well. Now, team is not going to force any turnovers. Dead last in the country in terms of turnovers forced on a per-possession basis, but they played good hard-nosed defense. They're one of the better rebounding teams in the conference. As a result, North Dakota State, number three with regards to my projector or finish. And number two, I don't think we're going to see as big of a fall-off with Oral Roberts as a lot of people think. They're bringing in two former top 200 recruits in Ashton Smith, who began his career over at Texas A&M. Had a tough time being able to get there out there on the floor for them, but six foot nine forward that should be able to add a little bit of versatility. This is always a team that they want guys to have pop threes and guard Jalen Miller. He was at Rutgers and he spent the last few years on the bench, a former top 198 recruit, but according to the class of 247 Sports for the class of 2021. I like both of these guys upside, and they should be able to mix and match well with Isaac McBride. McBride, nearly 12 points, 2.6 assists per contest, shot right around 41% from three-point range, and then you've got Deshaun Weaver, who I think that he's going to be able to get back to those numbers that he had two seasons ago with the losses. Two seasons ago, eight points, four boards, 1.2 blocks, shot about 35% from three. He's a six foot eight, little bit of a combo player. Saw his points and rebounds dip last year, but shot 42.5% from three-point range. Trey Phipps, he's able to give you a little bit of production. Two seasons ago, was giving you about eight and a half points on 40% three-point shooting last year. A little bit more of an afterthought last year. I think that his production goes up. And then you've got Kareem Thompson, Mr. Do-It-All, 
Three assists, 1.3 steals, six boards, eight and a half points per game. I think a lot of their offense is going to run through him, and I think that that would be a very wise move with all the transfers coming in. And Russell Springman has familiarity with the program. He was one of the top assistants under Paul Mills. I think that this is going to be a seamless transition. I've got Oral Roberts, number two, my projector finish at number one, South Dakota State. They have had at least a share of the conference title in five out of the last six seasons, and they've got the best player in the conference. That'd be Zeke Mayo. 18.2 points, 6.2 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1.2 steals per contest, shot 37% from three-point range, 20th among qualifying D1 players in free throw shooting percentage, 90.4%. They need to improve on the offensive glass a little bit. They were 18.9% with regards to their percentage of missed shots that resulted in an offensive rebound that was 346 in the country, but Matthew Mims, I think, is going to be able to help out a little bit. Eight points per contest, shot 37.5% from three-point range. William Kyle, I know that our man John Paul was hyping him up. Nine points, right around 4.8 boards, a little bit over a block per contest. You've got a seven-footer, Nate Barnard. He comes in from Wyoming. Really didn't see a lot of playing time over at Wyoming, but actually shot about 36% from three-point range. Matthew Moores was a former top-five recruit from the state of Wisconsin a few years ago. He's able to give you six half points per contest, and by that I mean within just the state of Wisconsin, not the country, but still, he should be able to help out this team. They were very smart last year, 14th in the country in terms of fouls committed on a per-possession basis, and under the radar, I know that there was a little bit that happened with their coach. They were without Eric Henderson for a little bit of a while. I know that there was a little bit of a health scare with them, so getting him back out there for a full year, I think is going to be big for the South Dakota State team. I have got them number one with regards to my projected or finish with regards to the Summit League, and that will wrap things up for the Summit League Conference Preview Edition right here on Coast Coast Seeps, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast Coast Seeps, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters M, maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. And a big thanks to our good friend in Sean Paul over there at the Field of 68 for joining me in the last segment. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast during the offseason. The news and notes of college basketball along these conference previews. We have now done 20 in total. And once we get in season, fix an analysis on every single game, every single day. So appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.